1: There it's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, April 28, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And honestly, there haven't been any massive headlines in college basketball in recent days. The coaching carousel has slowed. The transfer portal is the transfer portal, whatever. But we did get an announcement, uh, a, a hilarious announcement. From the ncaa late tuesday one that detailed that ncaa president mark emmert's contract has been extended through december 31st 2025. they're so proud of this development that they buried it in a press release blasted out after nine o'clock on the east coast uh, as i wrote uh, in a column published at cbsports.com um, i wasn't surprised to see the initial reaction among most which was disappointment oh man why are they doing this uh, but I was surprised that anybody was surprised that the NCAA extended Mark Emmert's contract so like I guess let me ask you this were you surprised that Mark Emmert had his contract extended
0: yes I was I was surprised that his contract was extended for one specific reason uh There is still an ongoing review. Say, we want to say about uh, what he's good at, what he's terrible at, and how he is used to basically. uh, I I think I saw a quality radio host out of North Carolina who we both know, Joe Ovias. He called Mark Emmert the meat shield of the NCAA, which he is. But there is an ongoing independent review of basically gender. Uh, equity or inequity with how the NCAA holds its championship events and that's still happening and the fact that they would choose to extend him while that review is still ongoing did truly surprise me I I thought that we would at least wait because that obviously was there were a few major headlines in March and you can easily make the case that Outside of the teams actually winning the NCAA tournament uh, in men's and women's college basketball uh, and maybe one or two other headlines, uh, the PR nightmare and disaster that was the women's basketball tournament issue was as noisy of a headline. That's that's the kind of headline that made national newscasts and broadcasts there. So that's why it surprised me, GP. I thought we wouldn't have anything remotely close to a Mark Emmert contract extension until a lot of that stuff was figured out.
1: I, I guess... Maybe I should be a little more specific. I I was, yeah, kind of surprised that on, you know, a Tuesday night in late April, as the fourth item in a press release under the subhead, other business. I mean, the whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, I was surprised that, yes, Mark Emmert's contract was extended now in this moment. What I'm not surprised by is that they want to keep Mark Emmert as president. um, Because... It is true that most people believe he's terrible at his job and has done a terrible job at his job. But just because you think he's terrible doesn't mean they think he's terrible, the Board of Governors, because what he is doing is exactly what they want him to do. He is comfortable being the face of their greedy desires. He's comfortable not leading. He's comfortable being a whipping boy. And so the board of governors, they can use him to do everything they want to do, which in many cases is just don't do anything and rationalize it with nonsensical lies. He'll do what they want him to do. And if you've got somebody who will be the face of the unpopular thing you want him to do, then why not just keep him employed? I think they should have made a change. I'm not surprised they didn't make a change for the reasons just stated.
0: So I don't want to be too cynical on this. Um, And I I think this, this, if anything, this is a moment where we should be applying pressure to the very infrastructure at play here. The group that made this possible is the Board of Governors. It's the most powerful governing body in college sports. It's the, it's, everyone talked about this new, one-time transfer uh, exception, uh, you know, that would—that that is made official this week because the Board of Governors officially signs off on it as a matter of official business. Every single piece of NCAA legislation, in order for it to be official, every major decision that affects college basketball uh, and men's and women's college football, everything, field hockey, you name it, it has to go through the Board of Governors. But the board of governors is comprised of people that are making decisions about college athletics, including who should be the president. And basically, this is this can't fly anymore. It's going to continue, GP, obviously, for the foreseeable future. But 2021 is setting up to be this is a this is a cliche term, but it is true. It is a watershed year for college athletics. Mark Emmert is getting extended at a time when uh, name, image, and likeness legislation is being. Pushed along at the NCAA level, but will be forced at the at the legislative level of a, the United States government. GP, you've got that. You've got a uh, an issue with the Supreme Court in the Austin case that's still we're waiting to hear what verdict we'll get on that. Probably in June. The timing of this is just super odd. There's also subtexted with all of this in that Mark Emmert, there were rumors that he might go back to LSU where he was once the chancellor and the president and return to that post, and was he using this as leverage? Who the hell knows? But the fact that you've got the Board of Governors with people from Northern Arizona, Morgan State University, Bates College, Hamline University, Emporia State University, Pittsburgh State University, the University of San Diego. You know, these people, as good as they may be at being university presidents, they really should not be the ones deciding major, major decisions as it pertains to an NCAA president and more specifically how things operate at the level for major college football, men's and women's basketball. And I say this knowing full well that there are other bodies like a board of directors and even smaller groups than that, that that look at the minutiae of all this stuff, and so by the time it gets to the proverbial desk of the Board of Governors, a lot of the stuff that needs to be hashed out has been hashed out. But still, on a very fundamental level, you would have to agree. Like, you know, the president of Emporia State University and the University of South Carolina, Aiken, which I, I, I'm I guessing maybe within an hour's radius of Chester, South Carolina. I got no idea. But these people should not be the ones who are charged with you know, de- deciding which way the ship is going to go with football and men's college basketball and women's college basketball. And in effect, shouldn't be deciding Mark Ember should be president. Like, they, I'm kind of done with he's the, he's the whipping boy and he's the meat shield. Like, they, the NCAA should be looking for someone who is much more competent, much more modern, and who can be more... This shouldn't be the goal of the NCAA for someone to take all the heat. They should have someone much better in Mark Emmert's seat. And this is not just the opinion of, of Media Hacks getting on a podcast and yapping this up, GP. This has been something that it, I remember talking with athletic directors and, and coaches at Peach Jam like five, six years ago who were fed up with Mark Emmert. Dude's extended to 2025 in in the midst of as much change and controversy and bad PR as the NCAA has ever had. So I get the point you're saying, but at a certain point, I mean, this just – it. it The tone deafness of the board of governors with this and everything tied to it, I think is actually kind of gobsmacking. So that's why I was surprised and he's going to continue on as president, but he doesn't deserve to be.
1: When you say that the NCAA should have a president who is more modern, I think the assumption you're making is that they want to modernize. They don't. They want to hold on as tightly as possible to the concepts of amateurism that have been in place for a while. They say otherwise, but their actions speak louder than their words. You know, they released a statement last night, the Board of Governors, that read this way. As we have previously noted, we recognize the importance of taking swift, swift, appropriate action to modernize our rules. We also must collaborate with Congress to create a legal and legislative framework at the federal level to support name, image, and likeness within the context of higher education." End quote. First, the idea that the NCAA could use the word swift, like, at, like they would even be allowed to type that word, is insane. There's nothing swift about anything the NCAA does. So I don't care what they recognize. They, they don't operate swiftly when it comes to anything. Um, we must, quote, must collaborate with Congress to create a legal and legislative framework at the federal level to support name, image, and likeness. That's not true. That's a lie. They don't have to collaborate with Congress to make NCAA rules. This is the NCAA. The NCAA has made a bazillion rules over the years, lots of them ridiculous. Rules about what coaches can and cannot do, what players can and cannot do, what boosters can and cannot do? When, since when do you got to collaborate with anybody to make rules? Did you collaborate with Congress to make transfer rules? Did you collaborate with Congress to uh, say what boosters are allowed to do and not do? Did you collaborate with Congress to figure out how many assistant coaches a basketball program could have? Like They just lie. That's a lie. They could have made sensible name, image, and likeness reform years ago if they wanted to. They don't want to. They want to delay, 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 kick it as far down the road as they can, and then, yes, let Congress weigh in, and then write the rule just inside of the law. Maybe. 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 And Mark Emmert is willing to be the face of that. Mark Emmert is willing— to be the whipping boy who stands in front of all this so that those people get what they want they do not want to modernize their rules they will modernize the rules when they have no choice but they have they have no right they have never had a desire to do that that's why we are where we are and because mark emmert if if he's effective at nothing else he is effective at taking the bullets for the people behind the scenes who want to keep status quo as long as possible. That is why he has a job. That is why he's become wealthy within this job. And that's why he's going to keep his job at least through December 35th, 2025. He is what they want him to be. He's not what I want him to be. He's not what you want him to be. He is what they want him to be.
0: Hey, he is current. Just so we're clear, like Mark Emmert, his previous deal was through 2023. I mean, there's just no urge. Like there's no need to extend This is,
1: this is... This is like when an oh. athletic department extends their basketball coach who is projected to finish eighth in the league on 12th. December 1st. 12th. <laughs> 12th I mean, the it's like Yeah, exactly. It's like, what, what are you doing? Like, there was one... I've, and listen, uh, Frank McCaffrey's done a great job at Iowa, but I wrote a column a few years ago. Like, they... Ex- Iowa was picked to finish wherever. Um, He was... Uh, it was like the season had started. It was no, and they extended his contract. Like, it's fine. I don't care. But like, why? Where is Fran McCaffrey going in d- d- November? <laughs> like, it, it, and he's supposed to have a bad season. So like, wh- what comparable job could he even get? Like, what do you want? Wh- it was a completely pointless contract extension. And, and this is similar. Like, I, I know you're exactly right. Um, as you noted, there was some thought that he might, you know, go to LSU and perhaps that's the urgency you need. Like, Oh, we can't lose you now, but outside of something like that, and even with the inclusion of something like that, it it is a pretty ridiculous extension. I'm just not, I'm not, it's a ridiculous extension, but I am not surprised that the board of governors specifically that group of people, largely chancellors and presidents want to keep Mark Emmert in play. Again, I don't want him there. You don't want him there, but I, I understand why they want him there.
0: I mean, just no need for this extension. Dude's making close to three million annually. By the way, just it's uh, what a grift. I, he does not have the thing that is amazing about all this is that he does not even have the support of the of the majority of athletic directors and conference commissioners. But it doesn't matter because mostly, mostly. The presidents, and again, the presidents at these schools. Trivia time. Let's do this right now. Let's do this right now. Let's just take our guesses, all right? In real time. (laughs) Didn't plan this out. Trivia time. Pittsburgh State University. Now, there's no H at the end of Pittsburgh State, but we think this is in Pennsylvania, right? Let's just jointly do this. That's our guess, right? Pittsburgh State University has got to be in Pennsylvania, right?
1: I'm going to assume anything that even sounds like Pittsburgh has got to be in Pennsylvania.
0: Incorrect. It's in Pittsburgh, Kansas.
1: Well, that's, that's unfortunate. Trivia
0: time. Emporia State University. What's our guesses on the state here?
1: I feel like I I feel like I know something about Emporia State. Just not sure what it is.
0: What's, but what's I've, our he- guess?
1: I've heard of Emporia State.
0: I'm going to guess. This feels Midwest to me. I'm going.
1: It, yeah, I'm, I was going to say Kansas, but I didn't want to go Kansas back to back.
0: I was actually going to go Missouri. Let's bring it up. Emporia State is in Emporia, Kansas. Okay, I thought so. I the thought brain so. trust, the brain trust of the NCAA. Um, Bates College—that's that's definitely New England. I gotta say, Bates College. Give me, give me New Hampshire here. What are we thinking?
1: I, I'm pretty sure Bates College is in Maine. It is in Maine. You're not cheating, are you? I swear to God I'm not cheating. I'm only guessing Maine is the only state up there that popped into my head.
0: Bates College in Maine. You got it. How about Hamline University? Hamline.
1: Hamline. That sounds like it belongs in Alabama.
0: Hamline is in St. paul minnesota liberal arts university uh it's it's out it's in the minnesota intercollegiate athletic conference uh do we have one more that we can go with here you know these ones you know these ones north central college the president is troy d hammond yeah division three where we thinking north (laughs) You're, you're going double directional school here on the board of governors north central college where are we thinking
1: North Central College. It's, 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 it's like, got to be
0: in the north. It's got to be in the central. I'm I'm blindly <laughs> saying.
1: Okay, uh, okay. so no, North Central is probably going to be r- North Central is right in the middle of. It's like it's at the top, but in the middle. I
0: want to say Michigan. That's my guess.
1: No, that's not right. That's silly. No, that's it is. north at, and it's central. Yeah, no, but this it, it's going to be North Central within a state, so it's going to be at the top. In the middle of a state, I feel like North Central is quite clearly in Arizona. It is
0: in Illinois. God, North Central College Illinois. is in Naperville, Illinois. These are the presidents, partly, that unanimously, unanimously decided to give Mark Emmer a contract extension. Notable alumni of North Central College. They got three on their Wikipedia page. P.J. Hyatt software developer and co-founder of GitHub. Kevin Mano, host of MTV show The Seven, former on-air personality at WKQX in Chicago. And then, of course, Joseph Edward Rawl, endocrinologist and medical researcher. North Central College, there we go. This is, again, I, I, I understand the reaction that why would the NCAA seek to change? This is exactly what they want. But I do think with headlines that are coming soon, later this spring, early this summer, with NIL stuff, with the Supreme Court's ruling in regard to the Alston case, the transfer stuff is just a small part of it. The equity review on the on the championships there now was the moment to say we've had enough of this. Let's let's get someone else in and try and truly usher in a new era. But it does speak to, frankly, how bad the collective is of the Board of Governors at doing their job as it specifically pertains to running major college sports. And GP, just one more thing, like to to toss an idea right back at you, you wrote about this 10 years ago, at least. If you had had, you know, someone who was, I forget the title you gave this, but, uh, you know, director of common sense at the NCAA, and you had someone on that Zoom call and say, hey, listen, look at where we are right now. And look at look at what people think about the NCAA, the general public, you know, not to mention the coaches, athletic directors, administrators, the friggin student athletes. How do you think this is going to go over if we extend this guy, pay him almost three million dollars a year? This independent review on gender and equity isn't even done and we're going to bury it, you know, 600 words into a press release. How's that going to fly? If you had simply had someone who could say these things out loud and tell this this board of governors what they were doing, maybe we wouldn't be leading off a podcast with this. Maybe the NCAA wouldn't be getting dragged everywhere for what it's decided to do. But it did it anyway, and Mark Emmert's going to be there through the end of 2025.
1: Here would be my question. Why did you have to announce this at all? Can't you extend it without announcing it?
0: Good question. I actually don't know the answer to that. I don't know.
1: Like, just extend him. Say, hey, Mark, here's your money. Here's your contract. You're here through New Year's Eve 2025, but we're not going to make an announcement, and that'll probably be best for us and for you. Like, I don't know that they're obligated to announce that they've extended a contract. They don't announce every contract they extend. Why do they got to announce that one?
0: Cause he's the president, and I guess at a certain point people are gonna want to know. Uh, but again, there could be an element to this that we simply just don't know at this point, and that might have been like Mark Emmer could have been like, yeah, I'm out, and I'm going to LSU. Uh, and this combined with oh by the way, Donald Remy like might join Joe Biden's right. administration. He's been a he's a key figure with the NCAA, and he might be leaving. Like there's we're not gonna get in the weeds on that stuff, but there could be stuff like that that the Board of Governors might have felt obligated to alert the membership to this. Uh, you know, it is a big deal extending him, even if it's only two years. It is the damn president. Of the So uh, that would be my guess as to why it happened the way it did.
1: It's so big of a deal that it was the fourth (laughs) item in a press release late on a Tuesday night. That is the funniest part. Like they are so ashamed of what they're doing. That, that is evidence by the way, they know how ridiculous this is. They're just shameless. They, 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 they but they know that this is unpopular and they know the re what the reaction is going to be but they still want to get it done for the reasons I, I hope we explained so Mark Emmert continues as NCAA president it appears through December 31st 2025 moving on Norlander wrote a piece about first-year Loyola Chicago coach Drew Valentine we'll get into that next but first check this out So, Norlander wrote a piece about first-year Loyola Chicago coach Drew Valentine. You can find it at CBSSports.com. He's just 29 years old, so he is now the youngest men's basketball coach in Division One. Dead leg, tell us what we need to know about the situation Drew finds himself in, uh, succeeding Porter Mosier at Loyola Chicago.
0: Yeah, well, I think the I think this is fascinating, and it also sets up for Loyola. Frankly, this is this is to me one of the more intriguing headlines, and and I, I guess you know. Uh, plot Developments of the Early offseason College Basketball. So the piece, which I'll also link in the podcast description if you want to read it, and I'll also link GP's column on Mark Emmer in the podcast description so you can read this as you listen or uh, after the pod. Um, so I talked with Drew Valentine, I talked with Porter Moser, and I actually talked with Brad Stevens because uh, Drew Valentine is the first coach since Brad Stevens to both inherit a Sweet 16 program like take over a team that just made the sweet 16 and get your first job while also being under the age of 35 in fact valentine i don't i think he's the i looked i i looked through the decades here gp he is the first coach ever as far as i can find to be under the age of 30 get a head coaching job and inherit a team that was one of the 16 remaining at minimum in the tournament the year before which is just a hell of a situation to walk into. Brad Stevens was 30 and had a similar situation when he was at Butler. He was on staff for seven years. And uh, you can read Stevens's quotes and what he said to uh, this situation, what he remembered there in the piece itself. But Valentine, he has got, I mean, Parrish, I can't remember a coach with a quicker ascension than this. He was playing college basketball eight years ago. He is now the head coach of one of the two or three best mid-majors in college hoops. It's an amazing story. He played under Greg Campy at Oakland. Then he went and served for two years under Tom Izzo uh, as, a, as, a, as a grad manager. He was on staff for the 2015 Final Four Michigan State team. Uh, in fact, funny aside, he looks so much like his brother that I walked into the locker room for media availability and approached him and was like Drew he's like I I said Denzel he's like no 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 I'm, I'm his brother he they look they're not twins but you you might think that they are Drew's actually a couple years older if
1: you if you never knew that Denzel Valentine had a brother but you saw Drew Valentine you'd be like they yeah. have to be related
0: Correct. Oh my, it's, it's uncanny. Like just, so, so anyway, he was there. Then he went to Oakland, back to camp. He was an assistant for two years and then he took the leap and his first season at Loyola was in fact the season where they made the final four. So he gets to Porter Moser staff as a 26 year old by 29. He's the head coach there. And Moser basically he took a day to decide whether he was going to leave Loyola or not. I, I spoke with Moser about that whole deal he said I committed myself entirely to to the team. I didn't take one call about any job. Like he Porter obviously knew what was happening. Like he, he it's not dumb. He know he knew that Indiana and Marquette and Oklahoma and others were banging on his door. He didn't respond to a text message about it. He didn't take a call. Uh he basically let his agent and to a certain extent drew handle all that stuff. Now, while all this is happening, the important context to know with this is two years ago, Porter Moser almost took the St. John's job. He was really close to doing it, and if that had happened, the Loyola AD went to Valentine and said, listen, who knows what's what, but, you know would you be up for at least interviewing for this and we'll see where we go with this and he's 27 at the time and i don't think he would have gotten the job then but that's when it kind of went onto his radar because another really good coach on Mosier's staff brian mullins had just left to take the southern illinois job which is his alma mater so for the past two years valentine had been auditioning for the job if in fact Mosier ever wound up leaving he left and what's wild is, and I don't think anyone really knew this knew this at the time when it happened in real time, Moser, Moser calls Valentine says, I'm, I'm, I'm going, and Valentine knew that it was getting close. They were obviously in close contact throughout this. Valentine calls the AD, and the AD kind of joking is like, hey, would you be interested in the Loyola job? He basically gets the job within five minutes of learning that Moser's leaving for Oklahoma. Now, they had to go through the typical stuff. They have to go through GP, but um, within 30 minutes, they hopped on a Zoom with the team, and that's where the AD – Moser and Valentine basically let out what was happening here. Listen, Drew's going to be the next head coach. Here's why we think he should be, and then they had to get everything in line. Okay, so all that happens, and the fact that he's 29 and gets this job, I think, is actually a really—it's uh, a good story. Let's be honest. 29 year old head coach, you're getting pub, you know, nationally for a, for a hire like that. If if Drew Valentine was 38, had been on staff for six years, it's a fine story. It's a cool story, but it just doesn't—it doesn't hit the same, if you will. Um, and then. What makes it even more intriguing is this. Okay, they lose Cameron Krutwig. Best player, arguably, in program history. Uh, Valley player of the year. You know, top 15, top 20 player in college basketball last season. He's gone. That will be a dent. But everybody else of importance is going to return to the team. And so where I think we stand right now, Parrish, and you would know this as well as anyone because you're doing the the updates of the top 25 and 1 as we get roster um, you know, upgrades and downgrades, etc. Literally by the day as the transfer portal figures out. You know, because Loyola Chicago is getting back Keith Clemens, Lucas Williamson's going to use the bonus year. He could have easily left. In fact, he was the last one to decide. He'll be back. Um, Braden Norris is going to return as a rising as a rising junior. Uh, yeah, Tate Hall, um, uh, Ahira Uguak, they're all coming back. There's this confluence of events here where I know you don't have the Ramblers in your rankings yet, and they might not be in your rankings. And I've got a hell of a trivia time coming, by the way, before we get out of here on this. But they do have a really good situation where 80% of the minutes, 76% of the points and rebounds return from a Ken Palm top 10 team. And I know they lose their best player and they lose Mosher. That's a lot. But from a roster situation standpoint, GP, Valentine doesn't have the most talented roster but he really might have the most experience and deepest of any coach inheriting a job this year. What are your thoughts on uh, what's transpired over the past three weeks at Loyola?
1: Well, it's terrific, and it's a great story for all the reasons you stated. Um, He inherits a, a good, great situation on a campus he's familiar with. I've thought for a while now that among the best things you can be if you're an assistant coach is the number one guy at a great mid-major program because those coaches eventually are going to move on. And then often those programs just promote from within because they want to quote unquote, keep it going. You know, that's what happened at Butler. um, When Todd Licklider left and Brad Stevens replaced him, Um, I'm, you know, Butler is not a mid-major now, but but it was, it was was at the time. Um, You know, Xavier has consistently promoted from, from within um, so, uh, I, I, like you look at guys who become head coaches of Goodman major programs and they are often people who were sitting right beside the head coach who moved on. So I think Drew was smart, um, to, to position himself for this. Like, I, I believe in his story more in your story, more or less, he indicated, I knew Porter was going to move on at some point and I was trying to be in position to, to do exactly what I just did. So he was smart enough to recognize, you know, I, I, I would assume that every off season, somebody was trying to pull him away from Loyola Chicago, but you know, is it better to go be the third assistant on a big 10 program mm-hmm. or just sit right here and wait for Porter to leave? I think he, he recognized all that weighed the pros and cons and clearly made an incredible decision. I mean, it, it the, 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 because it paid off um, perfectly. So happy for him. I think it's interesting, um, in, in in the way that it highlights how somebody can get a job like this. Like he would be, he was so much better off being on that campus than he would have been if he were the second assistant at Illinois. Mm -hmm. It just worked out better for him. So that's good. Um, I don't have them ranked, but, but I could like, you know, if you wanted to rank him you could easily justify it. Yes. I do think the loss of, of, of Crutwick is massive. And, you know, we are dealing with a first year head coach, you know, that, that doesn't mean he can't kill it, but like, you know, it's a different coach. We'll see. I, I would have him in the, you know, I, I go one through 26, I'd have him 27 through 40, somewhere in there. Uh, clearly the favorite in the, in the Valley and a totally, a, a team that, it, that could be ranked totally reasonably.
0: I agree. I don't know where I'll wind up putting them. Way down the road, I don't even want to start thinking about the one to three fifty-seven or whatever. But uh, I'm going to have a hard time not putting Loyola in the top forty for sure. Maybe top thirty because also, keep in mind, yeah, we got to see what he what drew out. Val- He's twenty nine. We got to see what he can do as a head coach. But he was the defensive coordinator for this team uh, the past few years, and Loyola Chicago was a second rated team. Uh, in defensive efficiency this past season at Ken Palm, made a huge jump and from a field goal percentage defense uh, spot, it was very, very good in both in league and nationally uh, beyond just this past season there. So, when we talk about how great they've been on defense, just know that Valentine's been a huge part of that. He also, you know, Moser was telling me, he uh, with all these guys coming back, um, it, it's a significant and Drew's a big part of that because he is able to do something that's that's really kind of hard to do. He can. He's still young enough where he easily relates to these players on in a very tangible way. Like there are forty-five-year-old, fifty-five-year-old, sixty-five-year-old coaches who relate to their players well, no doubt about it. But he is still young enough. Again, was playing college basketball eight years ago. Kind of blows my mind, and it's awesome. It's actually kind of spooky how. Um, he was finishing his college career when Brad Stevens was still at Butler. like and in the time since Brad Stevens has been at Bo- been with the Boston Celtics all those years, he's Drew's just been able to whoosh, come right up the ladder and uh, and get a head job there. But because he can relate to the younger players and he is he is a, he has a real maturity about him, he can be in a room like Moser was saying like he can be in a room or and for the past year or so it's been virtually uh, with you know 55 60 year old donors and connect with them very well as well. So it was the first part that really led these players to say, no, we trust Coach Valentine. We think that he can really keep us going on this, and we want to return. None of these guys had to return. None of them were guaranteed to return. Uh, It it each took a day, basically. They went in succession and decided on doing it. But there was no guarantee any of them were coming back. And so, again, I think Loyola Chicago at this point – has benefited more than any other team in college basketball, specifically when it comes to retaining its players for the bonus year of eligibility. You're seeing plenty of players use that bonus year by transferring going out to another school. You're seeing some players use that bonus year again and return to their school. But we're talking about four guys coming back. And in doing so, it will keep Loyola atop the Valley projections there.
1: Uh, Before we get out of here, I did update the top 25 and one earlier this week. I did not add Loyal to Chicago, but I did add Texas. Texas goes from unranked up to number 21 based on, in the past three weeks, that staff, which, oh, by the way, might be the best staff in America now.
0: Mm, Quite loaded. Chris Ogden left the head job at UT Arlington to not even be an assistant at Texas. And, oh, by the way, he was handsomely upgraded in salary. So
1: it's wild. Rodney Terry left the head coaching job to be an assistant at Texas. And then um, you get Malagy, who is uh, well-connected and established in the state of Texas. And then you go get a bill self assistant in Jaren's Howard. Not only is that probably the best staff in America, it's, I would assume, the highest paid staff in America.
0: There can be. Now, we'll wait and see what's about to happen at Kentucky here. But right. yes, Texas right now. There's no question. His assistant pool, they, what they call it, is the assistant pool, uh, in referring to the, the total money that can be allotted to those uh, people. It's definitely the highest paid staff.
1: Yeah, not a pool, is an ocean. He has an assistant ocean. <laughs> he does. So he does. they like Texas gave Chris everything he needed, and then. Uh, told him to go spend whatever he had to do, more or less. Uh, spend whatever he has to spend to get the staff that he wanted. And he's put together an, an incredible staff. And over the past three weeks, they've done incredible work. They have added five players, four Division One transfers, and a class of 2021 prospect. I'll run you through it real quick. The t- 2021 prospect is J- Jalen Tyson, top 35 in the class of 2021. Then they added Devin Askew. The former top 35 prospect from the class 2020 went to Kentucky. wasn't great, if we're being honest, but you know he's a former top 35 recruit. They get him. They had Christian Bishop, who averaged 11.6 point four rebounds this past season at Creighton. They've added Dylan Dessou, who averaged 15 points, nine point two rebounds this past season at Vanderbilt, and they added Timmy Allen, um, who averaged 17.2 points and six point four rebounds this past season at Utah. So they've added two top 35 prospects one from 2020, one from 2021, and three players who averaged at least 11 points per game at the high major level this past season. Now, Allen and Bishop did it for bad teams, uh, or rather Allen and DeSue did it for bad teams, Christian Bishop for a better team at, at Creighton. Um, so, you know, you can call it uh, empty stats if you want to, but these are experienced, um, older um established high major college basketball players and when you combine that with the fact that they're bringing Andrew Jones back they're bringing Courtney Ramey back and Chris Beard is I I think anybody would agree one of the real difference makers on the sideline in terms of taking what he's got and making it better than what most coaches could make it um that looks like a top 25 team to me
0: quick question um when you took this into account, do you have Greg Brown back or no? No, I got him gone. Okay. I, I, am getting a little bit of noise that like he may or may not be gone. So keep an eye on that. I think he's like, he, he he was just okay. Like he was not as good as I thought he would be. I think he's got good potential. Hope. I think he'll, if you made me guess, I think he'll be gone. That's probably the right assumption there, but it wouldn't stun me. It wouldn't stun me if he decided to come back. Now, if he decided to come back, obviously you're going to put them up uh, even more because sure. Greg Brown was a five star prospect, and and really um, when he committed to Texas, then on shocker Smart, it was a, it was a big deal there. So I I figured that's where where you were, but I just wanted to be clear on that. And you've got Texas where now in your rankings,
1: twenty first.
0: Okay, who who uh? So just so I listen. got him
1: one spot behind St Bonaventure because I couldn't jump the Bonnies out of respect for oh boy Adrian and, and Amy Wojnarowski. Okay.
0: Um. In regard to preseason rankings, here was... I didn't get to the trivia time for you. I got a trivia time for the audience. I'll get to that at the end of the show. But this is the trivia time I wanted to get to you. It deals with preseason rankings, so I'll loop back here with Loyola Chicago. So, there have been four coaches in the past 25 seasons that have been a first-time coach, inherited a Sweet 16 team coming off that, getting that job, just like Drew Valentine is right now, and... The ensuing season, they were ranked preseason top 25. Four coaches in the past 25 seasons. All of them are gettable. We don't need to do this for five, six minutes. I think one is clearly obvious. Another is obvious, but I don't think you will get it, if that makes any sort of sense. One is somewhat recent. And then another one, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense there. So let's give you six guesses with four coaches' programs past 25 years. Again, they became a first-time head coach. When they became a head coach, they were inheriting a team that went to the Sweet 16 the year prior. And then going into their first season as a head coach, they were in the preseason top 25.
1: Okay. Before we get started, we're not counting the guy that succeeded Bill Henderson.
0: We are not. And if Drew Valentine were to do this, which I don't think Loyola will be preseason top 25 – this would be the fifth instance of this happening, but I don't think that they could. We'll see, but I don't think that they will.
1: Okay, is one of them uh, Juwan Howard?
0: No. How about that? Juwan Howard is not one of them. They were receiving votes. They were not in the preseason top 25.
1: Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's disrespectful. Mm. Was one of them Chris Mack?
0: No, Chris Mack is not one of them, but you are doing a pretty good job. This ties to my other trivia time for the audience there. You are uh you are getting some answers correct in regard to that one, but does not apply here.
1: Okay. Uh past 25 years, first time head coach.
0: There is an obvious one. Coming off a sweet sixteen appearance, first time head coach, preseason top twenty-five. Coming sweet, off of I should I should make this sweet sixteen or better. I should should. Uh, I gotcha.
1: Um, and becomes a first time head coach. Is Chris Beard one of them?
0: He is not one of them. But what I do enjoy about this right no,
1: now? No, because he was at Little Rock first. That's what I do bad. enjoy
0: about this is we have reversed roles here because there have been trivia times in the past where you have asked me something and there was an answer or two that is so clear that I just know the people. Running at home
1: on the bike oh, in their car. Okay, okay. Bri- is Brian Dutcher one of them? Brian
0: Dutcher is not one of them.
1: This is stupid. <laughs> is Kevin Ollie one of them? Kevin Ollie is not one That's of them. That's dumb, too. That's also dumb. All right. Let
0: me give you a couple hints here. The first one happened 25 seasons ago at a Blue Blood program. Now, this is not the obvious one I was referring to.
1: Steve Lavin. No. <laughs> God.
0: Do you want me to tell you all of them?
1: No, I want to just keep randomly keep yelling going. names keep going. out. Okay, happened 25 years ago at a Blue Blood program. Mike Davis. No. Damn it.
0: Mike Davis took over like 20 years ago. What legendary coach retired 25 years ago at a Blue Blood program?
1: Bill Guthridge. Correct.
0: Bill Guthridge okay. took over Carolina And the ensuing, he had the best team in his first season, -season preseason-wise. Carolina was number four in the preseason top 25 when he got his first head coaching job after 30 years as an assistant. The second instance happened just a few years later.
1: Is that Tom Izzo?
0: No, this is the obvious one. Izzo was a head coach in 95.
1: Well, prove it.
0: (laughs) It's easily (laughs) provable. Oh, uh, Mark Few. Come on now. There we go. Yes, Mark Few. Mark Few, first-time head coach. Gonzaga made the Elite Eight, and Gonzaga was the number 24 team heading into the 99-2000 season. The next instance happened a few years later, and it is in regard to a coach that you have referenced uh, in previous years on the podcast. We haven't talked about him recently. He is an active coach, but you always spoke about this coach and and the program that he used to coach at in uh, in regard to how well they had it, and they uh they might not have wanted to get rid of a good thing. Jamie Dixon. Correct. Jamie Dixon took over for Ben Howland after Pitt made a second weekend run, and Pitt was ranked 22nd heading into the 0304 three-04 season. The last instance. Of a first-time head coach inheriting a Sweet 16 or better team, and then subsequently being in the preseason top 25 AP poll happened six seasons ago.
1: Greg Gard. Correct. Look
0: at Ha-ha. you! You have found your stride. Takes over for Bo Ryan. A little bit of a different state situation, obviously, because of the way Bo Ryan retired abruptly in the middle of uh, December. But those are the uh, the instances here. Okay. Here's the quick. Here's the quick trivia time for the audience. First one, I will think of a cool... I will gift the first listener to get this and put it in the comment section on the Apple reviews. I will gift you with some sort of reward. Name accurately and in chronological order the 17 coaches in the past 25 seasons to get their first head coaching job while simultaneously... Inheriting a program that made the second weekend or better of the NCAA tournament the season prior. There are 17 coaches. You got the freebie with Drew Valentine. You also got a freebie because GP has just named some of them here. So go ahead, see what you can do, leave your answers in Apple Review. I'll think of something cool. We do have some Ion College basketball shirts available now, but we might want to get a few better ones out there. There is also one coach who has done this twice, by the way, in terms of inheriting a Sweet 16 program. I'm just going to tell you because you're never going to guess it. There was one coach in the past 25 seasons who has twice inherited a Sweet 16 program, uh, and it's Jim Christian. He did it at Kent State in 2002, and then again he got the Ohio job after it made the Sweet 16 in 2012. So congrats to Jim Christian, who then went on to Boston College, no longer employed.
1: Shouts! To Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you, guys, once again, for listening to the Iowa College basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Do you see the updated CDC guidelines?
0: Yeah, I saw them. That's uh, that's, that's that's good news. Second shot upcoming. I did some GP-level trivia time research on this one, by the way. I Jesus, had it locked in.
1: Anytime you start trivia time with... Name the 17, like the 17. This is,
0: listen, this is, and we will have people that do this. I'll think of something creative. I'll think of something creative. You know, if you want Parrish to uh, to record you a personal, a video personally, maybe that can be.
1: <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. Did you did you hear me talking about this somehow yesterday? No, I, no,
0: I swear, no, I didn't.
1: I, I did we, we ended up randomly talking about this on the radio show yesterday. Oh. Cameo had reached out to me a while ago about creating a cameo account so people could actually buy a little video messages for me that's a humble and bride. i was like i was like first off how much can i reasonably charge for that without looking stupid because sometimes i'll go in there and i'll be like that nerd is charging 500 what's the
0: number you must have thought of the number
1: i know i really i there is no number this is where i've this is where i just landed and then i just said you know what i'm not doing this there is no number that I could put beside my name that wouldn't embarrass me that would then be worth it for me to actually take the time to make these dumb videos. So it was like, well, I can't put like $1,000. So what do you of even course, put? You put 100 bucks. You put 100 bucks and then they take 50 of it. Oh, do so they then really? what? They so what? take 50. I don't know what they take. I knew at the time, because I asked these questions, what percentage do you guys take? And once I did the math on it, like, okay, I could reasonably put this number beside my name. And some, you know, some, some, somebody from Chester, South Carolina might want me to make a video for them. And, but then they take their percentage, and then I'm left with this, and I'm like, I don't, I, I sort of landed with, I'll never, I'll never get the check and go, man, that. thank God I got this. But I'm confident I will get the request and go, I can't believe I've got to make this video right now. I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. And I just passed on it. But it's funny you bring that up because I just talked about this yesterday. Anyway, what the CDC says is uh, they, they, they said if you're if you're fully vaccinated American like myself, you can now you know be outside in, in, in small groups even with no mask on. But what they made it clear, and this is my favorite part, they said if you're not vaccinated yet, outside you still need to wear a mask. And i'm like the people who are vaccinated they're not they haven't worn a mask the whole time <laughs> you're not tricking them into doing it now they just we're in a war we're in a war with ourselves the the, the, the get vaccinated and don't get vaccinated crowds and you can't tell the don't the, the unvaccinated crowd to still wear a mask outside because they ain't been wearing they, they've been anti mask the whole time now they just switch to anti-vaccine we got a real problem dead leg. plus these variants I don't know how much you pay attention to it I think
0: he- brought up the variants on like 17 podcasts in a row so i'm aware i never
1: i never see one like this you know
0: yeah i know but summer's coming
1: can't wait for that excited if you're not subscribed please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts. we'd appreciate it we'll talk to you again real soon till then take care